0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Many of our Baal Yomach our Jewish philosophers, have tried to define, help us understand exactly what the difference is between Emunah and bitachon. We know that Emunah and bitachon are basic tenets of our Emunah, our faith, we know that there are fundamental principles, fundamental values in what we believe in, but many of the Ba'alei Shav have tried to understand, tried to define exactly what Emunah and bitachon are. Are they two tiers? Are they two levels? Is one of Bedi Evid a less preferable way and one of Lechatchila a more preferable way? How are we to understand what Emunah and bitachon are and how can we channel our Emunah and bitachon and strengthen our Emunah and Bittachon to become closer to Hashem? You, of course, never have to look further than Chovas Salavavah by Rebeinah Bahia or Emunah B'tachon by the Chaz to get this conversation started. But I wanted to share with you a, a fantastic insight of Rav David David Pincus in a sefer on Emunah that was written posthumously, in which he, uh, his sons took the tapes and collected his thoughts based on shiurim that he had shared. And I'd like to share with you an insight that he had provided based on a Gemara, which can begin this conversation of understanding exactly what Emunah and B'tachon are. And the Gemara that he quotes is Gemara Tainis Afchaf Hei Omed Aleph, uh, in which the Gemara records a fascinating story of Rebel Lazar Ben Pedas. Rebel Ben Pedas was an extremely poor individual, and uh, in order to be maintain his health, he had to bloodlet. It was a common practice at the time. They thought that that was a way to get rid of uh, a plague or a disease, and they would bloodlet, after they would blood that they would have to eat a good meal, but unfortunately, uh Ben Pedas was an extremely poor individual. He's an impoverished person and didn't have what to eat. And so instead, in order to try and regain his strength, he ate a head of garlic. Of course, by eating a head of garlic, he became weak and fell asleep. And during his slumber, Chazal observed and witnessed some unusual behaviors that came out of Rabbi Pedas. While he was sleeping, he initially cried, he then subsequently laughed. And finally, before he would wake up, there was a spark of fire that emanated from his forehead. Chazal were perplexed and wanted to know what exactly happened in this dream of Rebel Lozab ben Pidas. And when he awoke, they inquired, what happened? Why'd you cry? Why'd you laugh? Why was there a spark coming out of your forehead? What exactly happened? And he explained as follows. He said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was sitting with him and asked him, and he asked Kaddish Baruch Well, how long am I going to suffer in poverty? How long do I have to suffer in par- impoverished? And he answered, Elazar, do you want me to redo the entire world so that perhaps maybe you'll be born under a different mazel of prosperity? Is that what you want me to do? To which Rabbi Elazar ben Petas responded, are you saying it's just perhaps? In which case, Rebbe bin Pedas wasn't necessarily willing to push it if he wasn't even guaranteed to become a wealthy individual under this new mazel. And so therefore, he asks him a new question. He says, let me ask you a question. How much longer do I have to live? Is the majority of my life ahead of me or is the majority of my life behind me? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds, well, you've already lived most of your life. To which Rebbe Ben Padas begins to cry, realizing most of his life has already happened. Finally, Rabbi says, if that's true, I don't want to change anything around. I'm happy with my accomplishments, but I am interested in knowing what the rewards that I'm going to be getting in the next world. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, as a reward for being happy and satisfied with your lot in life, I'm telling you that in Olam Haba, I'm going to give you 13 rivers full of balsam oil as big as the Euphrates, as big as the Tigris for your pleasure. At which point, when he hears this tremendous schar, the reward that is waiting for him in Olam Haba, Nen Rebbe Laza began to laugh. And then he said to him, is that all I'm going to receive? What, what? And Akash Baruch Hu responds, what am I going to leave for everybody else? If I give you everything, what are you, you going to leave for your colleagues? To which Rebbe Lazar ben Pedas says, am I talking to a man who doesn't have infinite abilities, who isn't capable of providing for all? To which HaKadosh Baruch Hu tapped him on the forehead with his finger as if Shkoyach and at the same time struck him with an arrow that caused him to have that fire emanating from Rebbe ben Pedas. Obviously there's a lot to unpack here in trying to understand exactly what happened. Why was it that Rebel Lazar gave in initially? Why did he push HaKadosh Baruch when it came to Olam Haba? He seems to ask a really great question as if HaKadosh Baruch Hu has limits. HaKadosh Baruch Hu isn't infinite. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to respond by saying, if I give you everything I can't give to others, it seems to be a pretty reasonable inquiry that Rebel Lazar ben seems to say. And then the reaction of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to on the one hand give him a little tap on the fart as if he's saying that's a good one, and at the same time giving him a little zets Telling him, you know what, you better slow down, hold your horses. What exactly is going on here? Rav Pinkus wants to suggest a fascinating insight into this dialogue that will help us begin to appreciate and understand what Emuna and Bittachon are. And he explains that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to him, what do you want me to do? You want me to go ahead and you want me to change everything? And Rabbi Lezabim Peda says... Well, for a perhaps, for a maybe, for a suffix I'm not sure. And he kind of leaves it alone. All of a sudden, when it comes to his schar, all of a sudden, when it comes to his reward in Olam Haba, there's no holds barred. Rabbi Lezben said, that's it? I really appreciate the schar, but that's it? You can do so much more. And what happens? What, what's the response? What's the reaction of Hashem? He gives him a shkoyach, but he also shoots the arrow, which causes him to have this spark. You know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu you know what his reaction is, and why on the one hand he was pleased, and on the other hand he had to teach Rebbe Lazar Ben-Bedas a lesson, is because HaKadosh Baruch was communicating to Rebbe Lazar ben Badas the following. On the one hand, he was so incredibly pleased by virtue of the fact that this human being was able to recognize that HaKadosh Baruch who is is unlimited, that HaKadosh Baruch has infinite power, he has infinite blessings that he can bestow on other people, he has incredible things that he can share with everyone. On the other hand, HaKadosh Baruch Hu asks himself, kiviyachol and gives that little spark to Rebel Azer Ben Padas and says, well, if it's true, Rebel Azer Ben Padas, if it's true that you believe that I'm unlimited, how come you didn't push me harder when we talked about Olam Hazem? How come you refrained? How come you gave up so easily? Why is it that when you were talking about your poverty, when you were talking about your feelings of being impoverished, when I couldn't guarantee, so to speak, all of a sudden you gave up? How come you believed so confidently in my infinite capabilities, so to speak, in Olam Haba, but you're not willing to believe in those same capabilities in Olam Haza? Fascinating, fascinating response. And what this highlights ultimately is... What Emunah and Bitachon are all about. You see, sometimes, sometimes we we're aware of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. We know that Hakadosh Baruch Hu exists. We know that Hashem created the world. What we're missing sometimes is the tangible reality that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is constantly in our lives. We forget sometimes that when we're in a situation that is dire. We forget that the only being in the world that we're, we can be capable of turning to that can actually change the course of events is the Ribbonah Shalom. We know that, and we have the emuna. says Rapinkis. We have the faith in Hashem that he is the creator of the world, we know he exists. But when it comes to the bitachon, when it comes to that tangible reality, when we look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, do we really believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is constantly intervening? Do we really believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always on the other end of that conversation? Do we really believe that there's a dialogue instead of just a monologue? So if we're really honest with ourselves, most of us would probably have to admit that there are going to be some times along the way when we're not sure. We're not sure we're, we're trying to take advantage of our own capabilities. Oh, this isn't working out. Oh, I'm getting nervous. I'm getting anxious because I know it's not in my control, but I'm not sure who is in control. of Pink is that's what this Gemara is teaching us. What HaKadosh Baruch was trying to teach Rav Lazar Ben Pedasu is, why are you so confident in Olam Haba? Why not be more confident in Olam HaZeh? You could have asked me for the same things. You could have pushed back on me for those same material things in this world, the same way you pushed back on me when it came to the spiritual world. Had you said to me, HaKadosh Baruch Yeah. I believe that you have infinite capabilities and you can give me a wealth just like you gave other people wealth. I know that you can do it in this world just like you can give me unlimited bounty of pleasure and bracha in the next world. Why not give it to me here as well? But Rebel Lazar Ben-Pedas had retreated. Rebbe Lazar Ben-Pedas was not willing to push as hard as he could in the same way that he was willing to push when it came to Olam Haba. So on the one hand, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives Rebel Allah ibn a pat on the back for displaying a certain level of Emunah, an awareness in Olam Haba that there was an infinite amount of pleasure and bracha that he could be bestowed upon, but at the same time he shot that arrow to give him a little bit of an awakening, to give him a little bit of a wake-up call to realize whatever you believe is an Olam Haba, the same thing could be true if you only believed in me in this world as well. And so therefore we have to appreciate and understand that emuna means an awareness, a knowledge that HaKadosh Baruch Hu exists. A bitachon means that we have a tangible awareness and reality that he's constantly in our lives, that we can dive in before him. I'll share with you an incredible story of what this looks like, a modern day example that I just recently read. There's a great book that I highly recommend by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer uh, of the stories of Rabbi Yehoshua Lif, the Rosh Yeshiva of Ner Yaakov. Uh, he had an inc- has an incredible life of having experienced so many different gedolim, and the story I read really typifies and highlights what it means to have real bitachem, what it means to understand and realize that there's a HaKadosh Baruch who didn't just create the world, but that he's constantly involved in our lives and that it's a tangible reality as if He's mamish standing in front of us. Rabbi Liv explained that when he was moving the location of his yeshiva many years ago, so it came to light that the community he was moving to within Eretz Yisrael um, was not as excited about having yeshiva nearby, and it was discovered that the zoning laws within the neighborhood did not permit any type of academic program, even though they had already had other schools. But those schools weren't uh, weren't from or to the weren't uh, in affront to the neighbors of that community, and so they let it go. But when this yeshiva was coming, they all of a sudden decided they weren't happy with it, and he decided Rabbi Lif, to go and speak to Rishlam Zaman Arbach. Uh, the day of the court hearing. And it's an incredible story that I won't ruin it for all of you. Uh, you you'll read it on your own. But he went to uh, Rabbi Roshlomo Zaman Arbach. And Roshlomo Zaman Arbach told him, I'm not sure what to tell you. We're going to have to daven. We're going to have to daven. So he lifts understood that at the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is ultimately be, be, the real Dayan, the real judge. And so he goes, and he goes to the court hearing. And lo and behold, I guess I am going to ruin it for you. Lo and behold... Uh, they see that the judge that was supposed to be there uh, couldn't come, and a from judge came, and the from judge ultimately decided with an incredibly creative and an innovative way that this was not in violation of the zoning laws, that a yeshiva is no different than somebody who davens in their house and people learn in their houses, and so therefore this yeshiva can be considered a residential type of uh, organization, and so therefore it's not violating any zoning laws, and no one could stop them from building the yeshiva. Rabbi Liff, as I'm sure you can imagine, was ecstatic Baruch Hashem, it was keherufay, and he thought the entire future of the yeshiva was hanging in the balance. He davened, said Tila multiple, said for him multiple times, and Akados Baruch Hu ultimately ensured that the judgment would be in his favor. He decided that he had to demonstrate Akados Atov for the gadol who provided this insight and this inspiration, and so he called Rosh Shlomo and Arbach to follow up to let him know that Baruch Hashem the judgment had come in their favor. And his grandson answered the answered the phone. And the grandson said, you know, I'm so happy that you're calling. My zaidi hasn't stopped davening since you left his house. And Rabbi Lif took a step back and couldn't believe what he heard. He said to himself, when I thought that Rav Shlomo Zaman Arbach told me we have to daven, I thought what he meant was, you have to daven for this situation because at the end of the day, the Rav Shlomo runs the world. I didn't realize that when Rav Shlomo Zaman said, we have to daven, it means... He's not only expecting me, Rabbi, lift to daven, but he's going to Davin with me. That's bitachon. That's realizing that as much as we believe and we think and we fool ourselves into believing that we are in control, B'Talcho means recognizing, becoming aware of, becoming sensitive to the realization that there's our HaKadosh Baruch Hu who didn't just create the world, but he's constantly being mashkiach, he's constantly intervening in our world. If we would only focus on our davening would be better. Our connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu would be better. We'd feel like the lines of communication are open. We're oftentimes retreating because we feel like we haven't done what we should be doing how can we expect HaKadosh Baruch Hu to reciprocate but this Gemara is telling us if we would only open the lines of communication if we'd only view HaKadosh Baruch Hu as literally Shavisa Hashem the Nevdi Samid Dalif Nehmi if we'd view the rebot Shalom as a tangible being standing before us waiting for our filos, then we would only realize how much we could be capable of receiving in terms of our bracha. Had the Ben Pedas actually went forth and pushed HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the way he did in Olam Haba, when it came to the material things in Olam Hazah, he would have gotten exactly what he wanted. But he was missing something, which is why he had to have that arrow, which is why he got a little spark emanating from his forehead. We have to be able to appreciate that HaKadosh Baruch is yearning, to be Kaviyachal. He wants us to relate to him, he wants us to dialogue with him. But the connection is only going to be as strong as we make it. The the avoda that that we have is to not only be aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a creator, but to have the bitachon, the recognition, the awareness, and to drill and embed within us and within our children that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is constantly in our lives, constantly being the mashkiach, constantly intervening. One of my kids loves to quote one of her teachers to say, you know, tell Hashkacha protest stories, and they don't call them hashkacha pratis stories. They call them open hashkacha pratist stories. Because every single thing in the world is hashkacha pratist. Every single thing that's going on in this world is by direct uh, intervention of Hashem. He's causing the current. He's directing the world. He's making the big decisions. We don't notice it all of the time, so when we do, that's an open hashgacha pratas. But we have to begin to sensitize ourselves, to become more aware, to extend those antennas a little bit further and to be able to appreciate that there isn't just a HaKadosh Baruch who created the world, but there's a HaKadosh Baruch who, who we believe intervenes in the world, and that perhaps, based on Rav pincase's suggestion, is the difference between Amuna and Bitachon.